0: hey there i'm grace
1: and i'm amelia
0: and welcome to the women invest in real estate podcast where we talk about getting started in real estate scaling and we give you the inside scoop about our day-to-days as full-time investors if you're an investor you should absolutely have insurance steadily is a fast and affordable landlord insurance provider from short-term rental insurance to tenant insurance to umbrella insurance steadily has everything you need for coverage in one spot their website makes it super easy to get a free quote in minutes check out the link in our show notes to get a quote from steadily today Welcome back, everybody, to The Wire podcast. Today, we have a topic for you that was submitted to us from Instagram. We had somebody reach out and say, hey, what do you guys look for in an investment property? We would love to know your thoughts. So that's what we're going to talk about today.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I feel like this is just second nature to us because we do it frequently when we're analyzing deals. But if you're mm-hmm. a new newbie starting out, like maybe you have no idea what to look for. So we're gonna talk about two different things.
0: We're gonna start with single families. And then if you know Amelia and I's investment strategy, you know, we do single family and multifamily. So we'll hit both of them. Okay, starting with single family Amelia, when somebody's like, hey, I have this house, I want to sell it, you know, are you interested? What are your first thoughts? What are you first looking for?
1: Well first of all, I have to be that armory person that's like, I'm not even looking 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 for single families right now. So I'm like, (laughs) don't even bring me a single family. But If I was, a couple things that I look for is, one, I love houses that really stink. They stink to the high heavens (laughs) they smell like shit. I'm like, yes, smells like money to me because that's going to scare off a lot of other potential buyers, so that gives me an advantage and a lot of times those smells are easy fixes, Mm -hmm. so that's something I look for. Something else that I look for is just cosmetic updates right now. I'm not looking for anything that's like a full gut, like need. It's a ton of work. Although you have done them. I have done that. But like at this point, I'm just like, I don't, I just want to do paint floors, Mechanicals, Yeah. Like replacing a furnace, replacing a water heater, like that stuff is pretty Mm -hmm. easy. So those are a couple like physical things that I look for.
0: I feel like you were the first person who ever taught me the phrase smells like money. (laughs) I feel like
1: that's so common.
0: Yeah. And it is true because for us, it's so easy to be like, I can't believe that scares people off. Like that's so easy to get rid of. But you know, Allison was telling me the other day, for those who don't know, um, Allison Macken that her first investment property, there was like a little bit of mold in the basement, like nothing crazy. And the realtor completely talked him out of it was like, Oh no, you don't want anything to do with this. And looking back, she's like, Oh my God. That was like the best opportunity and it let us, we let it scare us away because we didn't know any better. It was our first one and we let the realtor talk talk us out of it. But meanwhile, every other person was getting talked out of it by the realtor. So they could have gotten a great deal and it was nothing crazy. It was an easy fix, the mold. It was nothing crazy. So it's just funny how you live and you learn and you stop getting
1: scared of stuff actually the first property that we ever bought it was a stink hole it had the previous owners had abandoned dogs in there so you can imagine but those types of houses typically only investors are going to be interested so like you cut out the complete owner occupied buyer base because they're not looking for like an intensive rehab or so they think was this your first flip that smelled like crap yeah
0: my very first property Smelled so bad that the first time we toured it, we left. And I was like, Brant, I think you smell bad from the property. Like (laughs) we smell now from the property. And it was the same thing. It was animals. So yeah, that's always an opportunity. If it's ugly, if it smells bad, anything cosmetic. Of course, like I like it if it's in a good area. Like I'm always going to be like, oh, I want the shitty house in the good area not vice versa. I don't want the nice house in the shitty area. So yeah. And then some red flags, which I have had to learn from. One thing I will never do again is any type of funky driveway or funky layout. So I had a investment property, our first one, it had a driveway pull out, as you know, onto very busy road. And we just got hammered trying to sell it It was, it was always going to be a burr. And then we're like, Hey, we might as well sell it. The market's up. And nobody wanted that house that pulled out onto a busy street. And then there's no street parking and it was a big house. So you have to have street parking. So that's one thing I'll never do again. And then I've never bought a house with a funky layout, but I'll never do that because that's really hard to resell.
1: Yeah, funky layouts require usually some sort of a gut and rearrangement because they're really hard to sell. Like you said, like if you're just going to leave it as is and paint and floor, it just it's just weird. And then one thing that I like to stay away from is foundational issues. I know a lot of investors are okay with it. But again, like I said, I'm just looking for cosmetic stuff right now. And I would say if you're a new investor and this is like your first or second property, Personally, I would tell you not to go all in Mm -hmm. on a property with foundation issues
0: another thing i like in single family is when the house is just full of junk because usually a lot of the times sometimes they're not that terrible underneath the junk but people can't see past it it's just like a smell and junk removal is easy you pay someone to move remove literally everything it takes them a day maybe two so i like that i've i've liked to buy houses that are just full of shit
1: (laughs) a hundred percent yeah it costs maybe a couple hundred bucks maybe a thousand to have a full house everything taken out but yeah like you said so many people cannot see past that, can't see the opportunity there behind the shit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. One, okay. One so thing, a- well, one other thing I like to stay away from is crazy neighbors. And yes. I think both you and I have had to deal with this. Yes. Somehow actually like mine have worked out. Okay. But wait, who's your crazy neighbors? I have a couple, honestly, there's a couple, there's one in the little cupcake flip that I did okay. with my, with a, well, I've done a few cupcake flips. I've coined that term. These are like really just little cosmetic two bedroom flips. And this one was the one where I partnered with Amanda. We had a crazy neighbor next door. My parents have had crazy neighbors and they now own that property. Oh, yeah, um, yep. yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there have been a couple. Neighborhood control by the property. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If you want, yeah, if you want peace and quiet, just own the property next to you. So you have yeah. complete control over who lives there.
0: Yes. So, okay, well, that was a flip. So that's not terrible. But I think worse than a flip is crazy neighbors for a rental property that you're always going to have. That's why I'm always hesitant to give my number out to neighboring properties? Because I'm like, what if it's a crazy person who calls me every week to complain
1: about my tenant? I know. I know. And that could very well happen, to be honest. Some neighbors hate renters, no matter what. Even if they're great neighbors or whatever, they just hate the fact that there's rentals in their neighborhood.
0: Yeah. So my crazy neighbor, we have three properties on the same street. So it neighbors two of my properties and is a couple houses down from another. And I actually wanted to move into this single family after it had been a rental for a little bit. Cause it was just so nice. And Brant was like, absolutely not. That neighbor is insane. I will not live next to him. He has been arrested in his driveway while we worked on the property. <laughs> he just has a bunch of crap all over the yard. He's always screaming and yelling. When Brant was working on the property, he would literally come over and be like, Hey man, can you help me uh, weld something? And Brant was like, I'm literally working. I am not going over to your house to help you with your projects. Like you're, like what what and he would just barge in so crazy neighbor bad driveways
1: bad layouts don't want any of that As far as like financials for single families, like what's your minimum cash flow and cash on cash Mm. return? So cash
0: on cash return, I want a perfect burr. So whatever that is, infinite cash on cash return. I don't want to keep my money still. I want to keep it moving. And then cash flow, I say 200, but really I would like it a lot closer to 300. And keep in mind, we're in a very
1: low cost of living area. So like getting a $200 cash flow rental is like a good rental. Exactly. Like minimum for me, is 300 at this point but I'm just really not interested like $300 a month to me in a low appreciating market just isn't enough for the yeah. effort. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, probably minimum like 30% cash on cash return and $300 yeah. a door. All right, moving on to multifamily which is what Grace and I prefer to buy. So, let's let's talk about physical, let's do the red flags first with the multifamily. Okay. Again, funky layout, funky driveway, monster houses. You and I always talk about that. You want to explain I call, what a monster house is? Yeah, I call these Frankenstein houses. They're basically, they're usually conversions, which means they weren't originally a multifamily. They were probably a big honkin' single family Fitching. built built mm-hmm. in the nineteen early 1900s that have along the years been converted into a multifamily. They're like ramshackle put together. They're usually... <laughs> They're just a nightmare. A Mm -hmm. lot of times they have one HVAC system for the whole house. So like one unit will control the heat and air for all the units, which just as you can imagine, causes issues. The floors are usually uneven. Like it's just a mess. And we tend to stay away from those.
0: The layout is crazy because it's a unit here, a unit in the attic, a unit in the basement, one in the front, one in the back. And it's just like, I don't know, just looking at those houses just gives me
1: a headache. I never will. one <laughs> they can be tempting i think for newer investors because they're cheaper they to buy well. and they usually cash flow well i think you tend to see these more in like c-class neighborhoods yep. but at this point in our investing journeys, like we're just not interested. We want built to suit basically like a multifamily that was meant to be four units right when it was built.
0: Yeah, I would say when I'm looking for multifamily, the main thing I'm looking for was as long as it's not a conversion and it's an area I like, I'm typically interested to find out more information. But that area in a monster house, two things that I say, nope, not I'm not looking any further.
1: Another thing that I would stay away from with a multifamily is little to no off-street parking. That's a huge thing for me, especially because I want to probably convert at least one of the units into a midterm rental. And for midterm rentals, they prefer off-street parking. It's just safer, closer to their front door, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So that's something else that I look for.
0: Another thing I don't love is a lot of common areas because we have to pay for it and we have to clean it. So I have two fourplexes. One has no common area because it's like townhouses. So everybody has their own front door and back door. So I love that. I don't pay for anything. I don't clean anything. The one right next door, it's two up, two down. So I have to clean a hallway every other week, which I, I mean, I pay like 30 or 40 bucks. It's fine. I have to clean the basement. I have to provide the laundry for everybody. So that's four people using it, four people, you know, with wear and tear. And then I have to also pay for that lighting and that light is always on. Again, it's not expensive. Maybe it's 50 bucks a month, but mm-hmm. just another thing to deal with, another thing to
1: keep clean. Absolutely. Agreed. A couple things that we we look for that we think are good opportunities for multifamily are properties that are undermanaged. And mm-hmm. we see this a lot, whether that's up. a mom and pop owner or a big property management company that just yeah. doesn't, doesn't really care about the property. So if there's an opportunity to raise rents, we're all over it. Yeah. I think mismanagement
0: and multifamily is like the biggest value add because you have it, like in, like you said, on both sides. You have it on the bottom side with the mom and pop, but you also have it on like the professional side with the people who are too big to manage it correctly. In the eight units that I bought was... Is the huge property manager who wasn't charging coin laundry, they weren't charging for the storage units. They were getting undermarket rent. They were putting in crappy tenants in a nice neighborhood in a property that could have been upgraded, so they could have gotten a lot better rent with better tenants, less turnover, less wear and tear. They had a part. They had a car in the lot for like four months that was just broken down. Didn't do anything about it. They let their tenants have their property, uh, have their trash and garbage just sit in the front all week long on the curb so that blocked not only street parking but made the property look like trash. So I implemented a $50 fine if you leave it anywhere other than behind your unit. Now, not Mm -hmm. a soul leaves it out. They (laughs) take it back like they're supposed to. And I've had so many people, best part, had so many people in this neighborhood say, hey, thanks so much for fixing
1: up these properties. Can you buy the next two? (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) I'm working on it. Yeah, for sure. I also love to look for multifamily that possibly can be converted into a midterm rental. We both prefer this. So if it's close to a hospital, I don't know, go back and listen to our midterm rental podcast episodes. We've talked a lot about them. One bedrooms are the best for midterm rental. Yeah, exactly. And then again, parking options. It's got to have ample parking for me to be interested. I don't want to be dealing with assigned parking or, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to do that, but I prefer there just to be enough parking where you don't have to worry about someone parking in your spot or whatever the case may be
0: yeah and I will say yeah one of my fourplexes has no parking it's parking it's street parking but because they're all midterm rentals they're never there and there's it's never like filled up so surprisingly I haven't had any issues and if there was a parking lot it would be further away so they literally get out and take 10 steps to the front door so I don't think people really mind but that is a bigger deal for Amelia not so much a huge deal for me but if there was like it was a busy road and there was no parking lot, then absolutely not.
1: That actually surprises me because one of the main questions that I've gotten asked, I would say probably 50% of my midterm rental tenants ask if there's off-street parking.
0: Well, is it because you're in a bigger city? So that's like, if there's not off-street, you have to pay for it? That
1: could be it. Is there a snow removal ordinance on that street where they have to be off the street during snow removal? Uh Uh-uh. Oh, see, Des Moines and another city that I invest in, they both have snow removal ordinances. So you cannot be on the street when it snows or you'll get ticketed and towed. Yeah, then that would be an issue because where the heck are you going to go? Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, so make sure you know whether there's a snow removal ordinance or you know, whatever.
0: Yeah. And these are in kind of more of a neighborhood. So maybe that's why we don't have the ordinances and people don't ask, but I just make it very clear in the listing off street parking
1: or Mm -hmm. on
0: street parking. Gotcha.
1: What about like seller red flags when you are touring a property or looking into one? Won't let you look at all the properties. Like
0: no way in hell am I buying something without seeing all the properties. You mean units? The units.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's usually a red flag. That means that they have tenants in there that are not taking good care of their units and are probably going to require a full gut. Right.
0: Unless they've uh, already
1: told you that. If they say, hey, I've got a non-compliant tenant. It's a shit show in
0: there. Sure. I don't need to see it. I know that it needs everything. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to pretend like everybody's fine and dandy and not let me see some units, that's where I don't want to. Because on my Apex, I didn't walk through them all, but I saw pictures of them all. And mm-hmm. I they were very upfront about who's paid what and who's
1: done what and i know i knew they all needed work anyways right another thing is like if they're shady about their financials or they have super unorganized financials that's a red flag for me i feel like at this day like this day and age with the technology that there is like there's no reason that you shouldn't at least have some sort of an excel spreadsheet going on something like, <laughs> literally something i've seen handwritten financials and i'm just like what is this
0: Which is totally fine if it's a duplex because that is very simple, you know, and there's no shared area. There's And it's a side-by-side duplex where they do their lawn, they do their snow removal. But the more intricate you get, the better the financials you have to have because there's
1: more pieces to the puzzle. Right. Or if you're buying from like a mom and pop owner that's they're 80 years old and they've just kept stuff by hand and it's maybe it's a four unit at max like you're probably just gonna have to guess on a couple of the numbers but like that's not as big of a deal we're talking about like bigger deals and believe it or not there are people that own 20 40 units buildings that have terrible financials yeah there's no one, excuse for that
0: yeah the if you guys have been listening you know that that's one thing i've been working on at the end of 2022 is shaping up my quickbooks accounts and everything so i can like be super on top of it for 2023 sometimes i beat myself up over that and i'm like what do i have maybe 20 units in the last two years like you said there are people out there who have 50 a hundred, do 20 rehabs, 20 flips in a year and have no clue. I know. Like It's still just an Excel file. Like that
1: <laughs> is insane to me. I can't. Oh, maybe it's ignorance is bliss at that point. Definitely, <laughs> they, they don't want to know. One thing that I love to look for and Grace, you know, this is like the old man who's owned the property for 40 years Mm -hmm. who hasn't done anything to it during that time and is owns it outright that's willing to sell on seller financing I have bought two triplexes that way from two separate owners they both fit that bill old men that have owned it forever I love that as an opportunity
0: Hmm. Yeah, somebody who at this point, they've made a ton of money, they've gotten their investment back. So they don't necessarily need top, top, top dollar and to squeeze every penny out of it because they've had it for so long that they have made so much money. So they can either a sell or finance or be maybe be a little bit more flexible on that price. But somebody who bought it last year
1: for top dollar, they're going to turn around, they have to get top dollar. So there's right. not a lot of wiggle room in that. The craziest thing about both of those stories for me is that one of them probably Probably had was had been vacant for at least ten years. Wow! All three units, and the other one had two units vacant for probably at least ten years as well. What so, are these people thinking? <laughs> I don't know. One of them, they were using it for like a storage unit. I swear. And surprisingly, he had everything emptied out of it when I bought it because I no. I wrote that in the you thought you were
0: inheriting a Home Depot.
1: I. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I really did. There, the whole basement was full. And when we walked it, I was like, oh, is that stuff from past tenants? Because a lot of the time in the town that mm-hmm. I'm in, people will just throw shit in the basement and be yep. like, I'm yeah, not my problem. He goes, oh, no, this is all mine. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. Oops. Ugh, that's like, hilarious. I, I, one of the other units was completely filled to the brim with stuff. Like, I kind of yeah. wish you would have left some of the stuff because I think some of it was like kind of cool antiques. But... <laughs> I was happy it was gone.
0: Yeah. No, that's true. People do fill up, like, that's what I was talking about with shared areas. The basement will fill up. Like, in one of our fourplexes, we inherited a 500-pound treadmill. Like, And it was all one bedroom units. Like, where was this treadmill? That's what I want to know.
1: I know another thing that people love to throw in basements is used old mattresses. Oh, like mm because they're because where are they going to dispose of them? They're either going to have to pay to have somebody come and pick them up, and they probably don't have the fifty or hundred dollars to put them on the
0: curb. So, one other thing that reminds me, something I really like about multifamily besides mismanagement. Is those other rental opportunities. So maybe they're not charging for pets. Maybe they're not charging for storage. Maybe there's one garage out back and you can charge a hundred bucks or whatever for it. Those other little opportunities, storage in the basement that you can charge and you know
1: get a higher return from. Yep, definitely. Okay, so so what about financials for a multifamily? What are you looking for in terms of cash flow, cash on cash, et cetera?
0: I would say at least like hundred and fifty dollars a unit. It, I'd like it to be closer than 200 if that's long term most all of my multifamily I have midterms in right now so that's you know a lot higher I don't know if I would add midterms though right at this moment just because I added so many last year that I'd probably keep going the long-term rental route but yeah I need there to be a burr play so that I can refinance my money and keep going
1: yeah I think mine's like 250 a door for long-term rental and my cash-on-cash cash return, I'm probably, again, looking for that 30%. And yeah, I'd love for there to be a mid-term rental opportunity, but if not, 250 minimum per door for long-term. Do you have any multifamily deals on the horizon? No, because all the multifamily in the market in Des Moines are conversions. And I'm just like, I'm not interested in that at all. So until something better comes along, I'm just kind of like biding my time. Mm-hmm. Same, and
0: that's the uh, the one downfall of being in a smaller area is there's only so many multifamily, there's only so many for sale, so many to try to find off market, and I am all of my properties are within fifteen minutes, so would love. Some more multifamily here soon, but we'll see what comes up.
1: I know. I I know that I need to just start doing a couple like off-market searches and maybe some mailing campaigns or calling them or Facebooking them directly. I just haven't made it a priority and Mm -hmm. put the time in to do it. Right. So anyways, I think that's it. Again, if you have any like suggestions on episodes that you would like to hear us chit chat about. Feel free to DM us on Instagram or send us a message. Yep. On Thanks for listening. Email. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you love today's episode, please leave us a five star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to check us out and join our community at womeninvestinrealestate.com dot com and follow us on Instagram at eyes dot community.